Are you looking to fine-tune? Whether for your business, your job, your team, or yourself, in each episode, we will be discussing different ideas and opinions using real-world examples to help you see opportunities, innovate, and succeed. Hi, it's Corby Fine, and welcome to Fine-Tune. So with me today, I have three amazing guests, and we're going to have a, a great conversation. I like when we have a lot of people at the table. It, it adds a lot of dynamics, and we'll see how this conversation goes, because everybody's got a stake in the topic here. First off, I have David, David Saddam, who is the CEO and founder of Architect, a company who's behind this award-winning solution that we're going to talk about today, and, uh, and probably never got up on, on a business morning and said, hey, I'm going to solve the plumbing industry's digital problem, which I think is, is a really interesting thing to wake up to one morning. Sally Baer, who is the vice president of marketing at Roto-Rooter, again, the leading North American plumbing repair and water cleanup services company, and, and one that I, as we'll talk about, have a huge affinity when people ask me that one single question of, is advertising still working today? And you think back to those jingles of yesteryear, and you know that one commercial that sticks out in your head? Well, Sally, thanks to you, it's still in my head many, many years later. And Stephen Tanaka, who is the general manager of Microsoft Partners for Microsoft Canada. And uh, Stephen's going to talk a little bit about some of the technology and the solutions that went into what we're talking about today. So uh, welcome to all three of you. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Excellent. David, why don't you just give the 30-second overview on you, your background, and, and why we're here today? I started this company 16 years ago, and uh, it was really with this idea that we're going to we're going to be able to uh, help our clients to improve, to modernize. Even back then, and uh, digital transformation obviously is what it's all about right now. So we've uh, got about 100 folks right now based out of Toronto, and love working with clients across a variety of industries, and love with working with Microsoft as well with the Azure platform. That's great. And uh, Sally, we're going to jump to the marketer in the mix. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, Corby. I'm the Vice President of Marketing, responsible for all the marketing functions at Rotorator. I've been with Rotorator for 30 years, so you can imagine uh, the transformation I've seen since 1990. Sally, we're going to have another podcast interview, and it's going to be how to survive 30 years in an organization, which <laughs> is a rarity today, but uh, congratulations and, and welcome today. Thank you. And Stephen, how about you? Uh, Steve Tanaka. So I'm uh, 20 years at Microsoft. I run our partner division. And then what that really is, is we have over 13,000 partners registered in Canada alone, Microsoft-based partners, and managing that ecosystem to, to really work with Microsoft's cloud to provide these solutions for our customers. That's excellent. So we've got a you know variety of opinions at the table. So l let me jump right in. Myself, as I referenced before, I've got this memory of Roto-Rooter from growing up and watching television commercials. In fact, before we got on, I was on YouTube and watching, uh, again, you know, Sally, 30 or even older jingles that seem to have been around since the 1950s and 60s. Not a lot is, has changed in terms of the way in which the industry services customers. The core thing that you're doing, plumbing, kind of hasn't really changed. You can rip apart homes from the 30s, 40s, 70s, 80s, and, and ones being built now. Yeah, materials have changed, but but there's not a ton of difference. And so the memorability of 
the brand and the advertising and the marketing for me has been very strong as well as, as for many others. Can you maybe just give us a, a really quick opinion on marketing from Rotorooter's perspective and, and why it's so important to have a strong brand and market? I mean, when you talk about our jingle, it goes all the way back to 1954. Uh, it debuted on uh, in Chicago on WLS radio. Jingles are still important. It's continu- you know, continuous use. Nostalgia can appeal to a, a wide variety of demographics. You know, that jingle gets stuck in your head. Um, it became extremely popular at a time when you know, traditional media held captive audiences because there were few TV and radio networks. And I think if you take an example of a millennial home buyer, you know, who, who does extensive online research now when choosing a plumbing company and then calls their parents to find out, have they ever heard of this brand called Roto-Rooter? And then, you know, of course they have, and they break out into uh, their own rendition of call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. So we think it's really important and, and it continues to evolve. We've kept kept it pretty much the same, but, you know, we've, we've done so much over, you know, since its start. Troubles down the drain. It's a traditional from the 50s to a still holding true today in the modern world. But to your point, other things like the way in which consumers look for and find their service providers has absolutely changed as well. And gone are the days of sitting at home and watching a TV commercial and making a decision off of a 15 or 30 second spot to this world of self-declared research. I know what I'm looking for. I just may not know where to find it. And so a lot of traditional industries like yours, plumbing, and obviously your organization, Rotorooter, are finding themselves in this transition to this digital-first, incredibly fast-evolving world where customer behavior is changing every single day. So why, as the head of marketing for this great brand, did you feel it was necessary now to think about modernizing, to transform the way you operate digitally? And what was the process and the timing uh, of how you got to that decision from uh, from the perspective of Rotorooter? Sure. Um, you know, I think Rotorooter is in a unique position of being the industry leader and and very often, you know, early adopters for, you know, digital first initiatives. Uh, we understand that, you know, end-to-end marketing gives us a huge advantage over big regional and mom and pop plumbers who may not have the resources or quite frankly, the understanding of how to go about this. Uh, You know, speed to market was really the ultimate driver of working on this project with Architect. I mean, you have to remember that the main source of leads for all of us for almost 50 years were the yellow pages, if you could believe that. So, um, you know, it's quite a transformation for plumbing companies who are three to four truck operations who really have no understanding. And we we feel like, again, that that is just a huge advantage of our competitors. So you mentioned lead generation and obviously the yellow pages of, of, of old. When you think about your role as the head of marketing, obviously leads and growth of a business naturally would fit into that sales and marketing function, but you're leading a digital transformation initiative. So maybe talk a little bit about why you in your role have been chosen or chose yourself to essentially take this challenge on and how do you find the modern day 
CMO or head of marketing function, becoming more digitally adept and having to work with organizations like Microsoft and Architect and so on to find ways to essentially transform the way in which you grow your business. The Roto-Rooter marketing team and the way Roto-Rooter operates in such a collaborative effort. Um, we're in very fortunate position of ha- having a great working relationship with not only our IT department, but also all of our digital partners, um, including you know, our number one partner, Architect, who you know, continues to help us evolve our, our website and all the initiatives around that. You know, we all align on strategy and very fortunate that there's few roadblocks. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about the conflict between marketing and, and IT and and whose projects gets bubbled up. But we have a, a great working relationship. Although marketing takes a lead on our marketing digital transformation, you know, we still have the full support of our IT team and, of course, the full support of Architect. So, Stephen, are you seeing this as a trend where maybe your old typical customer would have been the IT or technical leader, the CIO, the CTO, are you starting to see a shift in who's approaching you for support and service and how you're interacting with them to think about the the outcomes of engagements? Yeah, no, absolutely, Corby. Um, what we're seeing is a lot of what you're experiencing here from the marketing office, we're seeing that as a, as a common trend. Actually, our our line of business groups at our customers are becoming all much more technically savvy. They've had to or else they risk actually being displaced. And so they've all become much more technically savvy. They also, some of them rely on partners as well. If it wasn't for, like I mentioned, our 13,000 partners in Canada, they leverage that anchor to kind of help them get technically savvy to build those capabilities. But they are for sure equipping themselves to make these technical decisions, becoming more savvy, and then engaging IT more from, because because when you think about it, if it's a pure SaaS-based solution, many times they actually don't necessarily need IT for those types of things. So many times when they're engaging IT, I find it's from more from a legacy integration or adoption, or maybe a company that has just said, hey, you know what, we're going to put all our domain expertise, we are actually developing that digital expertise and the software expertise in IT, and they're going to become almost like our consulting partner in some cases. Yeah, so Stephen and and David, really, does that mean that organizations like yours that are more technically oriented and have typically focused on the technology buyer, David, are are you shifting your focus? Are you now actively engaging to go after the CMO type functions, the client experience functions as your target customers? Yeah, I mean, we're we're seeing this this trend that we're talking about. Um, you know, if you think years ago, marketing for digital was about campaigns and and at best maybe the front end of websites, and and that's shifting. You know, more recently, we're talking uh, about the shift from user experience to, to customer experience. Everybody's talking about that. Um, you need a happy customer, not just a happy user. CMOs have increasingly been kind of well positioned to lead this, and obviously this this is going to require more technical capabilities and, and data know how. And it's it's a, a holistic view of that customer. It's going even further than that, though, right? Customer experience is is about consumption and the use of something that's it's pretty transactional. We're looking at human experience now. It's it's about how humans actually experience that product or, or service, which is going to extend even further. And it, that's what's really going to cr- require that holistic view of the enterprise, about everything that human is is touching within the enterprise. We need to stop 
kind of reducing humans to the user roles and the customer personas and stop using technology just for technology's sake as well. Simon Sinek's Start With Why stuff. I think CMOs are, are really well positioned to understand that, uh, as well as you know product designers and, and others to bring back that humanity to the digital experiences. The purpose-driven organization and Simon Sinek is, is a great way to think about things. Uh, everybody's got technology at their fingertips. You can pretty much do whatever you need nowadays from the palm of your hand on whatever kind of device, even legacy devices now seem to solve everything. But when you think about the plumbing services field, you still need an expert. I mean, I can watch as many YouTube videos as I want. I ain't going to fix half the things that are going wrong in my bathroom. Electricity, plumbing, there's, there's just certain things that the average person may not want to get their hands deep into. And so when we think about that, what is it that you set out on these engagements to achieve? You know, what is the modernization and innovation that is there in this type of service industry? How do you make it faster, cheaper for homeowners? Help them with that journey of finding the right provider the way that Sally, you mentioned earlier, how do you find the efficiencies by digitizing the plumbing business? Sally? Um, I will say, Corby, our favorite customer is the failed DIYer. Well, then I'm, I'm right in the mix. Right? <laughs> yeah. Really, you know, by investing in technology, it allows for, you know, real-time updates through cloud-based software systems that really give our technicians immediate access to things like driving directions. It allows our dispatchers to match technician skill level to the job, uh, scheduling changes, inventory control. Our work order system is mobile friendly, which you know allows our technicians to complete transactions quickly and easily. In this world of you know COVID, we've been you know able to allow for the you know the social distancing aspect of it as well. Um, and, and we've been able to easily do that because of technology. So David, these sound like things that exist in other organizations and industries as well. Is that accurate? Is this a, essentially a transference of the kinds of capabilities that exist in different orgs? It, it is. This is no different really than a lot of other industries. I, I think this is what I was talking about before as well. You know, Rotorooter's done a really good job of, of recognizing why people really need their help. I think it's like 90% of people that call in or, or reach out need their help right away. They've got a toilet that's overflowing. There's a, a burst pipe. So we've made it really easy to get a plumber over there right away, removing that, the friction right out of that process. The next step is, is to look even further. Calling a plumber is a bit of a grudge purchase. You don't necessarily want to call it. You, you need to call it. So how do we make it effortless, simple, almost like that overused term of, you know, how do we make it that Uber experience? I think that technology will enable some of that. We think of you know modern cloud native capabilities, AI, IoT, to almost maybe know that there's a problem in advance. I think that's probably where the industry is going over some time to uh, streamline it even further. So Sally, when you look to these types of projects, obviously you're not modernizing your entire infrastructure over and over again. It's a big initiative. It's a it's a big step in commitment from an investment perspective. So. What is it that you look to achieve? How, how do you go to your executive peers, uh, your boss, the, the board, and say, these are the things we're trying to accomplish? What are those core KPIs that you were able to sell in to justify the initiation of this project? It really was educating our executive team on you know, needing to partner with um, agencies like Architect and helping us understand how we can effectively use new technology to help us continue growing our business. And, and that was something that 
they were not opposed to it at all. So it wasn't a tough sell. Uh, so that was the good news. They, you know, understand that we, you know, needed to make sure we're removing all roadblocks, that we needed to get the website speed and we needed speed to production. That was so important uh, to continue to move our business forward. So give my my listeners the the three or four big hit numbers. You know, we all we all get told you have to have a business case. And then we always forget at the end, we go back to the business case and they say, look, look, boss, look what we did. We achieved, we accomplished. We kind of forget that sometimes. But from what we've discussed in the past, this thing was blown out of the park. You know, well, I guess baseball started yesterday, so it was hit out of the park in terms of the outcomes and the benefits. So maybe between David and Sally, can you, can you list off a few of the things that are now, you know, the new benchmarks of performance for this business post this digital transformation? I think right off the bat, we achieved about a 54% improvement in page load speeds, which directly contributed to improved SEO and uh, and drove down the cost of ad spend. There's a uh, 22% improvement in web traffic conversion, 31% improvement in speed index, um, 30, 30% improvement in the accessibility scores. So those are sort of the hard numbers. You know, From the technology perspective, we basically migrated a, a legacy monolith to new microservices architecture, which, which gave us fa- that faster time to market. Uh, we went from uh, deployments taking days to to minutes, which meant you know faster deployment of content, faster release of new features, and this is this is all about one agility, but then also future proofing Rotorooter for uh, for them to continue you know dominating their industry. So Sally, let me let me ask it in a uh, in a layman term. When I'm a failed DIYer <laughs> and my my shoes are wet, is it going to help me get a truck faster to my house? It definitely will. Um, we've we've made all kinds of improvements from you know then you you run to pick up your mobile device and uh, you're searching on plumber in Toronto and you know we've done all this SEO work made huge improvements there and you know it's all about selection. We're there. We can be found. You click on us. Our site loads quickly. It's easy to use from a user perspective. They find our phone number at the top. You call. We get out there very quickly to solve your problem. And to your point about the millennial searching for that help, whether I'm using Google or Bing, however I want to be found, are you also, as the second KPI, in my opinion, that matters, are you able to be found more easily? Because it's one thing to send somebody out, but you can't send them out unless I know you exist and I know you're available. So has it helped with the findability and the search component of the business? Absolutely. I mean, we we think SEO is a huge driver of our being found. Um, you know, you have to be found before you can be selected. So we always say all of our efforts are in being found. And then when we deliver a great customer experience, they'll come back and, and give us that feedback through reviews, which helps with our selection process. But we, um, through very sophisticated tools on the SEO and on the uh, paid search side, we're pretty much everywhere once you search for plumber-related keywords. So Stephen, coming back to you, from what I understand, you guys took a look at this project, obviously being part of it, and were completely blown away by the fact that the results were so strong. And uh, as a result of that, you've, part of your annual process, you look for partners to win awards, right? Awards for successful implementations, successful innovations. So why don't you talk a little bit about what this project led to for these two organizations? 
You know, um, to your point, Corby, we, we absolutely do that every year. Architect themselves, they're an open source partner. They use a lot of open source technologies with Microsoft. That's actually the award that they actually won as being kind of our open source partner of the year. So they use a number of these open components in conjunction with our Azure Cloud to kind of provide those services back to back to Roto-Rooter. That really is kind of the key pieces associated with that. And so that's one of the things that we love about Architect. It's Microsoft of the clouds is we pride ourselves on being a very kind of open source cloud underpinned by GitHub as that big open source community. And so that's one of the things that uh, I would say that, that really got Architect that award, which is really the way they use open source technologies embodied in everything to kind of successfully deliver with, the, with our customers. And David, what is what does winning an award like this mean in terms of your opportunity to take advantage of it from a, a business and market growth? And then I'm assuming also from an employee engagement perspective, there's probably a, a benefit on both sides. Yeah, Corby, this is this is pretty huge for us. Uh, you know, we are thrilled, honored, humbled, especially this is a, a global level, so it's partner of the year globally. So huge competition, and and it just shows you know when when our clients win, we win. The follow-on, the knock-on effects of this from you know staff perspective, everybody's jazzed up, obviously. And uh, Azure is is just proving to be an incredible platform to build on, and uh, it's evolving fast. With Sally and their work with Rotorooter, we're we're so proud of what we've done together, and uh, you know we're just getting started with this too. Yeah, it's interesting that you you bring it out so directly again as the cloud. And you know, one of the things, and I, and I'll kind of throw this maybe to all of you, but maybe start with uh, back with you, David. You know, companies think about investing in cloud technology, like, eh, is that for me? Is that really required? Uh, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to how to go there. How do I know? I mean, my gosh, it's, it's changed so much in the last few years. Everything I'm going to do from an investment perspective might just change again. So how do you know when is the right time? And, and what are those use cases like Sally has described so well that are just completely relevant for the move into the cloud? Yeah. I mean, I've been in this industry since the mid nineties. The only constant is change really. The pandemic is showing us that if you're not digital, you, you basically, you don't exist. Everything is being disrupted. I, I saw a stat the other day, which, which talks about uh, the entire body of medical knowledge is doubling every 73 days this year compared to every seven years in the, in the eighties, you know, and, and every 50 years in the, in the fifties, like that's insane. Right, so the, the cloud is the vehicle for us to provide the scalability, the security, resilience, basically unprecedented power, and all affordably. Artificial intelligence is coming. Companies are working really hard to replace their systems, to modernize, put in a new digital core that's going to enable all this stuff. And and basically, if if you don't embrace it, you're going to lose. The time is now. So, Stephen, why is it so important? Because you're seeing it from the other end, right? You are the provider of really the, the core infrastructure and platform to, to build on the cloud with Azure. Why is it so important for companies to start, if they haven't already, getting off these legacy platforms and, and really moving into a much more modern environment and ecosystem? Uh, what are the benefits? What are the, the sort of top line elevator pitches that would, would give advice to uh, like, uh, others like Sally? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of dimensions to that, Corby. One is, if you think about what David just talked about, everybody is moving more and more of the state to digital. And so that trend will just continue and continue to evolve. As you move more and more of that estate to digital, that becomes more of a surface area, even from a security perspective. 
last year was about a trillion dollars impact in just cybersecurity alone. I think IBM quoted 2022 is going to be about $8 trillion in impact in cybersecurity. That's what their latest data actually quoted. And so when you think about that kind of large surface area, customers don't have the ability to kind of really keep up with what's really required. An organization like Microsoft, I'll tell you, we spend over a billion dollars a year just on cybersecurity and hardening that and making sure that that cloud is secure. Companies, even the large Fortune 500 companies, just don't have that kind of scale. We have 3,500 people just dedicated to security alone, right? And so we have about 8 trillion signals that we are seeing ourselves just because of the power of Microsoft. And when you think about that and we can react to those signals, a lot of customers just don't have that ability and that kind of scale when you think about how fast you're moving their digital. So, so one is security. Two is the agility. So when you can harness and bring that innovation inclusive of kind of that open source community and GitHub and all our partner network, you just create more innovation and more patterns that other people can repeat and leverage because they're in a cloud environment versus in a proprietary data center environment. So back to David's theme about the customer experience and getting the speed of that customer experience, being up in the cloud gives you access to that speed and repeatability of those kinds of patterns that you can further leverage. So Sally, just coming back to you then from the marketer or business side, when you started engaging in these conversations around the cloud, you know, where, where did you start from a knowledge and education perspective? Where are you now? And, and really maybe some advice for a lot of the marketers that listen to my podcast. How do you get there? How do you move from sort of, I'll assume a, a basic knowledge of what the heck we're talking about all the way to, wow, I'm signing, you know, large checks to do some fairly substantial transformation projects. I think the main driver is making sure that um, you partner with somebody like Architect who you trust will lead you through this transformation and their ability to take something that's extremely technical and bring it down to my level of expertise. And then also bringing in, you know, RIT folks who have that same level of expertise and, and really being able to strategize and help us all understand where we're moving to. I think once we get this all really moving where in the direction which we already are now, um, you know, I think when we apply machine learning to a lot of these things that we're doing, I mean, the reward will be exponential. And I think you just have to start to your point is just educating your, you know, yourself uh, on your own on what these services, what it means, and then surrounding yourself with the right partners is really probably the biggest driver of this. So quite often you hear about one of the biggest challenges in digital transformation is culture, the human side, the people involved. I'm going to assume that's one of the big challenges, but maybe from each of you tied to this initiative, outside of the cultural transformation, which is obvious, maybe one, one thing from each of you that you felt was you know, a, a potential barrier that you had to overcome and, and just really thinking about it from the perspective of if others are listening, it's that tip list of things to watch out for before it gets you. Uh, David, why don't, why don't you go first? Yeah, I, I think, you know, everybody talks about the technology as being tough and, and that, that can be a factor working with multiple partners sometimes, you know, but we, we can all get through that. It's, as I said earlier, it's almost, you know, re-envisioning re the human experience. So this is an opportunity you're, you know, investing in upgrading systems and, and so on to re-envision what that experience should be for the people who are going to be using it. 
And uh, if you don't do that, if you're just you know automating away or digitizing something that's kind of clunky already, you're going to miss the boat. Every company has to become a software company to some degree. If you're in the digital world, you're going to have to become some sort of a software company. It's to what degree you want to kind of embark that. Do you want to leverage a, a partner like an architect to kind of help you get there and do a lot of that heavy lifting? Or do you want to be all in? Some of these big Fortune 500 companies have said, no, we have to fully be all in. And effectively, they've set up their own kind of software divisions. I think that's one of the elements outside of culture to really kind of think through to what, what degree that they're going to also transform internally as a software company. And uh, Sally, did we miss anything? I don't think so. I think, uh, I think David and Stephen hit it. Excellent. So I have one more question for each of you. Obviously, we're talking about Roto-Rooter. We're talking about the plumbing services industry. Put on your magic hat. Take out your crystal ball. What is the next industry that you truly see is just ready and ripe for massive transformation? You know, if we weren't talking to someone in the plumbing services industry, it might have been the perfect candidate. But where do you see opportunity? Where are the industries that really need some help to catch up and, you know, to David's point, Uberize themselves and become much more relevant to their client base? Stephen, any, any thoughts on that? What I'd say every industry is going to go through this. It's just that a lot of times we don't see what we don't know, right? And so, you know, if you ever read kind of McKinsey, McKinsey talks about this horizon one, horizon two, horizon three thinking, which is reimagining some of the things that you actually do and truly transforming. I think every industry is actually going through that in some extent. David, I'll ask it differently to you. Where are you turning on the BD targets? Personally, I, I look at it as, uh, you know, there's certain industries where information is their currency already. Financial service is a good example of that. And they've been leading the transformation because it's just easier to deal with information modernization that way. It, it's those companies that, uh, you know, their industry is focusing on either people or, or resources, tangible goods you know, that, that need to be moved and shipped and built. They're a little harder and they're a little further behind and they're, they're absolutely right. I, I love those types of industries because they're moving real products mining, manufacturing, transportation, logistics, those are all ready to go. Yeah, maybe it's pest control then if, uh, if, I, if I can't be doing it in plumbing. Well, I won't tell you about the squirrels I had using my <laughs> river the highway this, uh, this week. That's a whole other story. Um, listen, this, is, uh, this has been a great conversation and uh, I really appreciate uh, all of you being here. David, Sally, Stephen, uh, congratulations on the award. David, uh, Stephen, keep giving them away to great people and companies like Architect and David and Sally, you know, kudos to you for not only keeping a jingle alive since the 50s, but also helping to really modernize and transform a business that DIY failures like myself are often dependent on. So thank you very much uh, for being with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. been listening to fine tune if you haven't done so already please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts you can connect with me on twitter at cfine through linkedin at corbyfine or visit my website corbyfine.com fine tune is produced by me corbyfine thanks for listening <laughs>